Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. Boom. What you are currently listening to is part two in a series. If you haven't heard the first one, I suggest you go back and check out the content we put down one episode ago. If you've earned your way here, sit back and enjoy the show. We've got some awesome content coming your way right now. So now we get into the high speed stuff that I know everyone's waiting for, (laughs) right? Which is I was on your website and this kind of touches on what we were talking about. Um, And I read this testimonial, I think it was from a lady who was uh, there at the Vegas incident. And um, she was kind of talking about the same thing we're talking about with regards to your training having programming, having some bars of programming in her mind, um, things she learned from your course that actually helped her get into action, get into decisive action, and her and her boyfriend survived as a result of those actions, according to the testimonial, which is, man, that's awesome. That's got to be an amazing feeling. So let's talk about this. Okay. <clears throat> so for the for the listeners, so they understand the foundation of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, I created a um, – an active shooter survival program called ALIVE, A-L-I-V-E. It stands for Assess, Leave, Impede, Violence, and Expose. And the incident you're referring to is a woman uh, who her employer had hired me two or three years ago from that back from that time uh, to come in and teach all of the employees. There's about 80 employees, I think, mm-hmm. uh, my, my program. So I caught them the program. About two weeks after the October 1st massacre uh, in front of Mandalay Bay at the Jason Aldean concert, uh, I get this email in the morning. It was a Saturday morning or something. I woke up, I looked at my phone, I got this email, and I had to reread it. I was like, wow. So essentially what it says was on October 1st, my boyfriend and I were at the concert, we're to the right of the stage, and suddenly we heard firecrackers. And we thought, oh, it's part of the show or some smart asses lighting off firecrackers in the group. Yeah. She said, but then we started to see people agitated and panic and we didn't know what was going on. And she said, I turned around and looked and a woman got shot in the face and a man got shot in the chest right behind me. Yep. So she said her boyfriend and her and everybody else around them hit the deck. They hit the ground kind of in a big pile in front of the stage. And she said, at that very moment, your training, though it was two and a half years prior, just came from my subconscious to my conscious mind. And I knew exactly what to do. And she turned to her boyfriend and said, when the shooting stops, we're, we got to run. Yeah. Said, no, I think we should just stay here. We'll be safer here. Just let's just stay here. And she said, sorry, bud. When the shooting stops, I'm leaving with or without you. Absolutely. He said, okay. Uh, so uh, Stephen Paddock uh, stopped to reload. They got up, grabbed hands and started running. He started firing again. They took cover. He stopped to reload again and they took off. They made it all the way back to Luxor. She texted her mom and said, Mom, you know, I'm out here. You're going to see some stuff on the news. I'm okay. Wow. She said, you know, it was a a great presentation all, but I hadn't thought about it a single day since since that time I trained her. But, you know, in times of stress, our minds will default to our level of training. Now, that's not something that you just rest on your laurels and go, I heard it one time, so I'll always know it. Yes. Just like the Heimlich Maneuver or CPR, you learn it and then forget about it, but all of a sudden somebody's life is in danger and it's amazing how quickly that recall can come back to you. Right. So that's exactly what she did. When she contacted me, um, it was a very profound moment in my life. She came to my office. She lived in Orange County. She came to my office. She told me everything that happened. She cried. You know, she, she said, I haven't been able to talk about this since it happened. 
Uh, it was really, it was really kind of liberating for me to be able to share this with somebody. Wow. Uh, and then of course the news got a hold of it and they interviewed everybody. So that it, on my website, there's a, there's there. like a couple, three different interviews. Um, and wow. it's a pretty, pretty interesting. But yeah. That changed my life. I, mean, I couldn't tell that story for probably six months without getting choked up because a woman looked me in the eyes and said, you know, your training saved my life. And that right. was kind of a, kind of a big deal for me. So, uh, uh, but it was, you know, the ultimate testimonial, basically yeah. what I taught her to do, she practiced and she survived and, and, you know, nothing could be more satisfying or validating. validating. Yeah. And so since then I have been passionate. All I do anymore, I might, you know, my companies are run by a very good, uh, crew. My, my executive team is excellent and mm-hmm. they're probably glad to have me out of the office most of the time. <laughs> what I do is just travel around the country uh, teaching my, my live program now. And I wrote a book that was published in January called uh, 10 Minutes to Live. Fantastic. Now, the reason I named that is because 98% of active shooter incidences lasted 10 minutes or less. The highest body counts like Virginia Tech and Las Vegas lasted mm-hmm. exactly 10 minutes. 68% last, less, last less than five minutes. So the reason I talk about 10 minutes is I want people to know and to get it stuck in their head. Right. It's going to end. You only have to survive for 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Probably less than 10 minutes. And the reason that's important is because people in times of panic, they will freeze with with fear and they will think to themselves i'm gonna die and that is not a survival mindset that is mm-hmm. a victim mindset absolutely and nothing good can come of having that mindset because an active killer or active shooter uh use them interchangeably because not all active killers use guns yeah uh they are there to take as many lives as quickly as possible and, and that mindset is important for these people to know there's mm-hmm. no negotiating there is, you will either get out of there, you will avoid them, or you will take them down, or you yeah. And so that instills a basically uh, 100% fight or flight. And, and I tell people in my presentation, you must commit 100% to literally killing this person if, if it comes down to you having to attack this attacker, if you have to engage them. Mm-hmm. And I wish for anyone to take another life. No, you probably know as a Marine, a combat Marine, as well as anybody, there's a lot of weight that comes with taking another human life mm-hmm. uh, under any circumstances. But I tell them that is the level of commitment that you must have if you are going to engage an attacker. There's no right. 85%. You're, you're leaving 15% on the table. Uh, my dad, Violence of action, 100%. Yeah. When, when my dad taught me how to how to defend myself when I was a little kid, he said, if you're going to punch somebody, you don't aim for their face. You aim for the back of their head. Right. So you go through the front of their face. Right. Well, this is the same thing. You don't you don't just aim for disarming this person and hope you hope you do it. You aim for absolute catastrophic. <laughs> yeah. Once you get them down and the gun is away from them, it's your decision whether to follow through or not. Right. Uh, but again, taking another human life is a pretty heavy thing. Yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> but getting to that point where they are no longer a threat, you've got to commit 100%. 100%, yeah. You've got to break their will. You've got to break their body. you got to do these things. Um, I I mean, yeah, there's so much there. No, having that experience of that, that testimonial, ultra validating. I mean, I could see how that would set you on a path to like, man, this is good stuff that I'm doing, you know, and looking at, you know, someone who, you know, I mean, it's one thing like we're, we're a certain type of, of person, you know, you know, we're some say sheepdogs, some say wolves, good wolves and bad wolves, but we're combatants, you know, but looking into the eyes of, you know, one of the civilians, you know, some would say sheep and seeing that they, they, that you were able to influence the outcome and help them defend themselves or survive, man, that's good. That's good stuff. Powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Powerful. Life-changing really. Um, and there's so much to be said for that degrading back to, uh, your level of training and your level of forethought. You know, I think as protectors, we have the responsibility of surviving in the theoretical, you know, uh, because, and I, and it's, it's, a, it's a, 
it's um, a muscle that we've probably been using since we were little, you know, but I think a lot of what we do, if you really look at it is we're in this theoretical imaginary world, like looking through the trajectory of a whole entire engagement, a whole entire battle all the time. Um, so that when it happens, they, they can play into our hand. We can have tactical advantages, you know, and that's kind of like our dark art. <laughs> you know, it's, it's our world. Yeah. And, and I, and I've seen it, I've literally seen it work. You know, one a protector, we walk into a room, we're looking at all the different vulnerabilities, the, the different, all the different variables, you know, get players on the board, recognize each other. Who else is watching the room? Who else is paying attention? You know, we're going to get into positioning. We're looking at our hard points. Now that we've got a decent positioning in the room, who's got a better position than me? What am I going to do? You know, if X, Y, Z, one, two, three starts happening, where's my next hard point? <laughs> you know, and you know, if you're not doing these things as a protector, you're wrong, you know? Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, so the premise of the, the 10 minutes to live is essentially changing the mindset of really kind of the victim mindset into a survivalist mindset. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, I've seen many, many active shooter survival programs. Obviously mm -hmm. I want to go see everybody. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, you know, a, uh, advanced Alice instructor for the Alice uh, training Academy. Okay. Uh, and one thing that I have noticed is very different from my from my program, and, I, and I'm hesitant to say mine's the best or better, but I will say it's different. Mm -hmm. Much of what I teach, 50% of what I teach, is not it is is mindset, not mm -hmm. just method. Right. I teach run, hide, fight all day long, but like mm -hmm. I say in my presentation, you can be the fastest runner in the world, mm -hmm. but if you don't have a burning desire to cross the finish line first, you're not going to get the gold. If you don't right. have a burning desire to survive and know that you can because you're focused on dying or not seeing your family and you're frozen in fear, uh, you're going to be a victim. So it, a lot of what I teach, and some people have even referred to it as a motivational speaking portion mm -hmm. because I tell people that you have to have that mindset to succeed in survival. Uh, no matter what it takes. And yeah. a lot of people, you know, Gavin DeBecker wrote The Gift of Fear. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I, I love that book because it talks about, about fear being a gift, literally. It's a, it's a signal from the universe or your brain or whatever that says, hey, time to get on high alert and be ready to act. Right. Just like if you're thirsty and you don't drink, you'll die. If you're hungry and you don't eat, you'll die. If you're exhausted and you don't, if you don't rest, you'll die. If you're afraid and you don't respond appropriately, you can die. <laughs> exactly. If we understand that fear is a stimulus that we can use and we welcome it to help us be prepared to yeah. survive, then you don't freeze. You not mm -hmm. paralyze. I show videos of my presentation yeah. of active shooter uh, incidences. And one is a, uh, a school board in Panama City, Florida. Okay. And when the gunman opens fire, and these guys know, these, these board members know it's coming because the guy's telling them, I'm going to die today. Yeah, I've He's seen this. <laughs> one guy, most of them act very slowly, but one guy in particular wraps his arms around himself and just sits there instead of diving for cover. Now, that is somebody that is paralyzed in, with in fear. fear. Mm -hmm. He had five minutes of this guy talking to prepare for a reaction to save his life. And he didn't right. do that because he was scared. Mm -hmm. I never want anybody. In, in fact, Byron, let me, let me explain why I even started doing this. Mm -hmm. Five years ago, <clears throat> when I was seeing these active shooter, active killer incidences take place, mm -hmm. I started researching them and I found that so many people were dying and I'm going through the scenarios in my mind and I'm thinking, well, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? Yeah. And I'm thinking, cause they didn't know better. These yeah. people had no training. No one ever said, if this happens, do this. So mm -hmm. suddenly they're faced with this horrific <laughs> situation Yeah. and they're absolutely paralyzed in fear and they do nothing or they do the wrong thing. And I, yeah. I see my presentation in my teaching. I say it's like two plus two. Yeah. My 
I come up to you when you're five years old and I say, what's two plus two? You're going to sit there and think, even though you have no answer because no one's ever told you. If right. it's an active shooter situation, you're dead. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> when you're six and you learned it one time three weeks ago but didn't practice it, someone's yeah. going to say, what's two plus two? You're going to go, um, hold on a second. So a few seconds later, you may have the right answer, but if it's an active shooter situation, you're dead. Yeah. If you're seven and you were taught what two plus two is and you practice it for a year and I say, Byron, what's two plus two? You know mm, and you say four. it's four. Yeah. If you are if you already went through the scenario in your head, I do an imagination exercise where I say, Everyone close your eyes. Picture mm -hmm. yourself in your workspace where you spend eight hours a day, even if it's in your car, but if it's somewhere you spend a lot of time. If, you know, if it's in, if it's in church, if it's in a store, wherever you spend your work day, mm -hmm. picture yourself where you're at, close your eyes, hear the sounds, smell the smells. Get now, yeah. now imagine a, a shooter coming in. What do mm -hmm. you do? Can you leave? Can you block the door and, and impede, uh, you know, barricade. barricade and cover behind something that, that will take bullets and not be penetrated? Or do you have to engage this person? Right. That one little visualization, they yeah. now know what two plus two is. Right. So if it ever happens that way, they are going to not be frozen in fear. They're going to go, wait a minute, I know what to do. And right. that is empowering and emboldening. And yeah. instead of being paralyzed with fear, it says, hold on a second, just like Liz Moreno, I know what to do, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to live today. Absolutely. And then that determination that can come with that mindset, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And, um, just to get people thinking that way, you know, when they're in those environments, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Like the lack of just simply and the value of just simply having that forethought inside your brain box of, you know what, if something happens, I'm going to get into action, all that stuff, man. It's, it's more than valuable. Um, I don't know if you were going to break it down principally um, to what it takes to survive. I mean, it's kind of what you're talking about, but if you were going to break it down into some succinct principles, uh, what would you say? Active shooter situation, principally, what are your considerations? As far as the program goes? Yeah. Yeah. The program or what do you think is the most important considerations? If, you know, say we're in a church or a classroom and you start to hear gunshots, um, what type of, what's the mind? What's my mind? What, what do you want to start happening in someone's mind? Okay. Well, then I will just go down. I will go down the letters of a lie because that will spell it out. The A is for assess. And when something like that happens, you have got to assess what is happening so that you can then react appropriately, which means rationally, rationally and reasonably, not emotionally. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, analogy I use is if you're ever in an argument with your spouse or significant other and that person says something that really, really strikes a chord in you, <laughs> you react emotionally. Mm. Do things get better at that point or do they get worse? Typically they go downhill. But if you stop right. and you take a deep breath and you say, okay, now wait a minute, let's, let's look at this. Yeah. You react rationally. Your odds of survival are, are significantly better. You're not Absolutely. going right out into the middle of something. You're going to think about what you do. So assess means you take a deep breath, you get some oxygen in your brain, you yeah. figure out what's going on, and now you consider your next best steps to survive. Absolutely. And the brain's smarter. The blood's, the bleeding, your blood's going to come back up. You know, you're going to kind of, your sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system, you're slowing it down, you're getting some oxygen, and yeah. you're actually... You're actually yeah, smarter. <laughs> adrenaline hits, man. It's yeah. you know, if you're already if chaos happens and that adrenaline hits and you don't know what to do, mm -hmm. it makes it ten times worse. But if 100%. you take charge of your thoughts and your and your next steps, yeah. it makes you that much more capable of achieving those things. Absolutely. The second one would obviously be leave, which is get the hell right. out of there as quick right. as you can, as far away as you can, if you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, several several young people in Columbine did what they were taught. They dove under tables, and yeah. they ended up executed. They were killed because they didn't run like so many other people did. Yeah. They did not run. They stayed there and got under tables, which provided no cover or concealment. Mm -hmm. uh, the eye is impede. If you're in a if you're in a room 
or you can get into a safe room or a copy room or anything uh, with no windows and a solid core door and block the door or lock it, you're going you're gonna to be way better shape. They're not going to spend five minutes trying to get to you. Yeah. They're going to go to an easier target because they know their time. Most of these guys kill themselves. More than 50% kill themselves. Yeah. They know the minutes are numbered, and that's why 10 minutes is so important. Uh, a lot of these guys, like I put in the book, just hearing the sirens, they turn the gun on themselves. Yeah. Uh, so you impede. That, I mean, that's just the classical coward, you know. 100%. It's just such, uh, yeah. Well, and you know what? They are cowards, and, and the reason they're doing this is to get the power and control that they lost, that they feel was taken them from them. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They don't blame themselves for giving it away. They take it. They blame other people for whether it's the wife who divorced the guy and took his kids. Yeah, it's the it's the high school kid that got picked on. Elliot Roger, who mm-hmm. he couldn't get a date, and the the, mm-hmm. the 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 football guys made fun of him. You know, it's power and control, and they figure, I'm going to get this power and control back by instilling fear and taking lives. And the significance. And I'm going to keep that power and fear by not being taken into custody or letting someone else kill me. I'm going to take my own life, which that means I still have the power and the control. Yeah. So, and, you know, even once, even if they're shot by law enforcement, they will then usually put still, their own lives because wow. it has to be by their own hand. Wow. Yeah. And I think too, as we see a lot of emotional intelligence and like entitlement and bad parenting uh, become systemic problems in our country, I feel like these types of incidents are becoming more and more frequent, you know? Um, oh, and, and listen, they're not going to get better. Right? Uh, they're going to get way worse before it gets better. I, I have a, 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 I have a theory yeah, they'll get better, but there's going to have to be a major paradigm shift in the way we do things and the way we think and yeah. the way we, and, and by the way, this is good for the security industry. Yeah. Uh, but you know, many of these guys will target somewhere, go there and find out their security there and not, they, I won't be successful. And that's the, that's the only thing they fear. They don't fear death. Yeah. They fear failure. And then they'll right. go somewhere where there isn't security. Right. So, uh, you know, we, we, there needs to be more security. Yeah. The targets need to be made harder Yeah, to create a culture that just like you don't yell fire in a theater and you don't yell bomb on an airplane. Mm-hmm. You don't say I'm going to shoot something up or unless, shooter. unless you mean it. And guess yeah. what? These guys always telegraph. Yeah. The paddock is the only guy. We still don't know his motive and nobody knew he was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Every other, you know, active incident that comes to mind, yeah. they put it out there on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, Cruz, you know, at, at Marjorie Stoneman High School, mm-hmm. put her on the internet tw- twice that he was going to go do it. The kids in Columbine, um, Eric Harris yeah. and Dylan Klebold, they had friends that knew. They put it on their yeah. website that they were going to do something like that. I mean, yeah. there's these signs. Well, now we can't ignore the signs. Right. Law enforcement has, the, has to have the teeth to do something. They didn't yeah. do for domestic violence, but now you get, cops get called to a domestic violence case. Somebody's going to jail. They're yeah. not going to leave those two people alone. Because right. so many times they leave and someone ends up dead. Yeah, so we're we're gonna have to show same thing. All these guys, Elliot Roger, cops knew they responded. They talked to him. There was nothing they could do, so right. they left. And then they did these things. So wow. things are gonna change and it will get better, but it is gonna get worse before then. And it yeah. is <clears throat> the last four years in a row, the body counts have gone. They have just been going higher and higher. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, no. It, in the you know faith based organization world, same thing. These types of incidents have been on the increase as well. Um, yeah, look okay. at the synagogue in Pennsylvania, man. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the 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 all black church in uh, it was uh, Tennessee. No, it was no. That was uh, I think it was North Carolina about two mm-hmm. two three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by, by white supremacist. Uh, yeah, I mean, look at look at the, the even abortion clinics. Uh, and by the way, along those lines, the, the, the three reasons people do this is anger and revenge. Okay. Uh, uh, mental illness. And by the way, a lot of people think that most of these people are mentally ill. The Secret Service and Homeland Security, excuse me, FBI, did I believe twelve or fourteen year study. They just came out with it a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Less than twenty five percent of these incidences occurred due to mental illness, whether it be um, 
beforehand they were um, they were thought to be that, or afterwards their their behavior was examined and and they were they were thought to be that. Uh, and then the last one is ideological. An ideological would be uh, religious, terrorist, racial, yeah. homophobic, mm-hmm. uh, sexist, um, you know, ISIS, that sort of thing. So ideological was how much? What percentage? Oh, I don't know what the percentage is okay. of ideological, but, you know, because of the extreme um, Islamic extremists that are killing mm-hmm. people just because they're not, they're not uh, Muslim. Right. Is, has been dramatically, you know, Paris has seen tons of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like I said, the, the uh, uh, abortion clinics. Yeah. Somebody doesn't want somebody killing babies, so they go in and kill everybody. So they go kill everybody. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, yeah, and then and then the, the uh, uh, now now Cho with Virginia Tech. There, clearly, he was uh, schizophrenic. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. But yeah. Elliot Roger in Isla Vista in Santa Barbara. He had what I would characterize as an emotional disorder. He was had an mm. inferiority complex. Yeah, um, he was not uh, certifiably mentally ill. Clinically significant. Uh, he just had some emotional stuff because of how he grew up and and some things that had happened to him. Yeah, that's wild. And then also with regards to the faith based organization, something we see as a factor is um, domestic issues. You know, you're counseling a couple. You tell her she's got to go. She should probably go stay with her parents because you're counseling them because of physical violence. And you know, partner X wants to come back and show the church, you know, show the establishment that they can't come between them and their spouse. And there's a whole rash of incidents that occur oh. with that premise, you know. And yes, domestic violence will bleeds into a lot of different <laughs> venues. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, I mean, these are just considerations and things you got to think about really, you know, it comes, it kind of comes full circle into the world that we have to exist in, which is the kind of ethereal and imagination, imaginary world before these things happen. You know, you've got to think about the worst case scenario, plan for the worst case scenario. Don't put anything past anyone. Uh, you know, situationally aware. Exactly. Yeah. Be very situationally aware. I spent a lot of time on that uh, because so many people just, uh, you know, and we'll call them cheap. The ones yeah. who just kind of go through life not really looking around thinking something bad could happen. They have no imagination. Yeah. Uh, but just knowing your surroundings and getting into the habit of looking around to see if anything appears to be out of place or doesn't fit. You know, if a guy walks into a diner mm-hmm. with a heavy coat in the middle of summer, yeah. obviously there's something not quite right. Does it mean he's a killer? No, but keep yeah. your eye on it. You know, keep exactly stay aware of what's going on. And look for the clusters. He has a big coat on. Is he watching? Is he relaxed? Is he a little bit nervous? You know, if he is, we got two strikes on him now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where is he? Is yeah. he taking up a hard point in the room? You know, what's his body language telling you? Does he know anyone there? Or is he there yeah. by himself? I get three clusters, bro. You're not getting positioning on me. <laughs> and I'm and I'm like, and I'm code yellow, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know. Yeah, like we were taught in EP school, uh, like if if you're in a crowd, a reception to your your uh, celebrity client, and they're walking down the line, and everybody's happy and excited to see him, and you see one person with a very serious look on their face, yeah. that's a major red flag. Same right. all the 19 uh, bombers at 9/11. Uh, all the surveillance videos show those guys clearly uptight and nervous and serious and not talking mm-hmm. to each other. You know, if you if you, just just being aware. Now, here's a problem uh, I noticed. I, I thought to myself, how could so many people at the Route 91 Music Festival in Las Vegas mm-hmm. not know that was gunfire? How? Because I've heard time and time again. Denial reflex. I thought it was, thought it was firecrackers. Well, yeah. Byron, you know what? Most people have never heard a gun fired in person in That's real right. life. They've heard it on, on in Hollywood in, in movies, and it doesn't yeah. sound the same. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like a snap or a crack in real life in in an mm-hmm. open situation like that. Yeah. Not this heavy duty boom. Yeah, of, it sounds you know, like popcorn. <laughs> yeah, first time I heard a firefight, I was like. Sounds like someone's cooking popcorn. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Well, this is the kind of education people need to know. And in the beginning of every one of my classes, mm-hmm. I say, show of hands, who here has had any form of active shooter survival training at all, including mm-hmm. just seeing the run, hide, fight video. And yeah. maybe one or two people out of 40 or 50 will ever say they did. 
Yeah. And that is that is not okay, man. My my not goal not these is days. five years, whether yeah. it's me or Alice or any of these other schools, mm-hmm. I want to see at least half the room raising their hands because it, it's like uh, I compare it to um, team sports. Yeah, you're on a team. You run plays together in practice. Everybody knows their job and everybody knows everyone else's job. So you focus on your job knowing that the guy to your right and the guy to your left know their job and they're going to do that. Well, imagine if a room full of people have my training or one of the other trainings and an active shooter shows up. That dude is probably going to be in trouble. Well, it's like what to do. Exactly. It's like, well, you see in Israel. Oh, terrorist, yeah. A terrorist pops up, kills like one and a half people, gunned down by the civilian population, chased through the streets and shot and killed. And you know why? Because it's a culture over there. Their entire culture. culture is situational awareness, defense, Combative. how to attack and when to attack. Everyone's, everyone is armed. They, yeah. I was in Israel. I've, I've, got, I've done a lot of ops in Israel, over a dozen. And I was in Israel, and I went to this shop, and I was looking at some knives. I was like, oh, they got some cool, like, knives or whatever. Everyone made fun of me for buying a knife. They're like, just – and they're all like, they're like, oh, you don't have a gun? I'm like, I can't have a gun. <laughs> they're like, what do you want a knife for? And they all – everyone had knife, had guns. Yeah. And they're just like, whatever. I, I look – I see little kids on a field trip to the Holy Land. A bunch of, like, uh, uh, you know – just young kids, but there's one 14 at the back of the at the back of the uh, pack with an M16 just in case, you know. And they're dead serious. And I, that is one thing I love and respect about them: how they roll over there. If you're gonna fight, you better come to fight because yeah, Israelis don't fuck around. Yeah, not in the least. And they they have these incidents, these active killer incidents, and they get quelled. There's no 14 body count injured 20 some odd like it just doesn't happen it's like two or three people you know got injured one got killed maybe yeah. and problem was solved and the only active killer incidents that happen over there are ideological it's it's yeah. all it's religion and politics yeah. uh, because they know nobody's going to do it for anger and revenge and and it, because they know better it's not going to happen you have to be committed you know, <laughs> it's just you have to be radicalized <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, it's not gonna happen. You got to go all the way. You got to be radicalized. It's like the only motivation that's strong enough. Um, you know, another, another thing about uh, Israel is, uh, and, and I'm, I I warn people right up front whenever I do my presentation. Mm-hmm. Some of you are not gonna like me by the end of this because yeah. I am not politically correct. Yeah. I tell the truth in based in reality, and yeah. that's not always politically correct. Yeah, and that's your responsibility as a trainer. It is. I got to look myself in the mirror when I get done with this. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what? Honestly, if they hate me when I leave, but what I teach them saves their life, I can live with that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just like in San Bernardino, remember two, three Christmases ago when the, mm-hmm. when the couple, the, the extreme Muslim couple, went and they shot up all those, you know, they killed 14 people in the San Bernardino yeah. government office. And uh, the FBI uh, interviewed their neighbors after that and said, Yeah, hey, I remember that. Yeah. You ever see any you know, behavior that you thought was odd. Did they ever do anything that you questioned? They said, oh, yeah, this happened, yeah. this happened, this happened. And the FBI said, well, why didn't you say something? And they go, well, we didn't want anyone to think that we were racist. Right. That's a real thing. That is a real thing. It's a real tragic thing. But what do you do, you know? And and that's your freedom of speech there that's being encroached on by that kind of culture, you know? Um yeah, man. And it's a tragedy. I, I, I agree 100%. You know, I, that's wild, man. So, um, well, and the moral of that story is forget political correctness. You don't have to judge somebody by their color or the way they look, but if their behavior exactly. is questionable and it can be hurtful, then you've got to tell somebody, whether it's in the workplace, a church, even in your own home. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so many of these young people that do these things, there were so many signs that the parents just dismissed. Yeah. If they'd have had their antenna up, they would have realized, hey, there's something serious going on here. Yeah, I need to go look under your bed. And the uh, I, it goes back to one of our other ones. I had Yosef Badu of Emergence on, and he, you know, he taught the Hunter Killer program in the Marine Corps for a decade or so, and he it was good. He had some good gouge too, and he was talking about how don't theorize someone's intent. If you see them doing something that doesn't look quite right. <laughs> you know, take it at face value. Hey, I don't know what they're, it's just nothing personal. You can be black, 
white, yellow, orange, pink, whatever color you want to be. But what you're doing right now is suspect and don't, oh, well, you know, maybe in their, no, 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 no. Because that's the first mistake you make. Yeah, you don't dismiss their behavior. And that's what we do, you know, right. especially in California. We'll make it okay. People's <laughs> Republic of California, you know, yeah. we're supposed to accept everybody for everything. And that's fine. Right. We do that. But if, okay. if everybody, if, but if their behavior is questionable and it could mean they're going to do something that's going to hurt other people, we have a duty to say something to somebody. Literally. Absolutely. And so you were running through Alive. Um, I wanted to get all the way through that. So V. Or word of E, that's violence. Yes. <laughs> I spend the majority of my time on that. Now, mm. my, my program is two, it's two modules. Uh, yeah. One is classroom. I do from two to three hours in the classroom. So that's typically, and that's the majority of what I do. And then I have a second module that I will do if, if the clients want to pay for it, which mm -hmm. is, you know, scenarios and practical exercises and so forth. Um, but I spend a lot of time on the violence portion because that's where, it really is important. This, this survival mindset is really the most vital and essential because if you have an opportunity to take this person down, you have to take it because again, remember there, well, no, wait, let me qualify that. Okay. The, like I said, an active killer's sole purpose is to kill as many people possible in a short amount of time as possible. Right. Now, I would never tell another human being that you need to go kill that person or whatever. If you can run, run. If you can right. take cover, take cover. But if you are faced in a situation where that person, there's imminent danger. It's time to fight. Because that person can turn the gun at you at any second and kill you, and they don't have the gun pointed at you. The right. best thing you can do is to attack them in a group, especially. Right. Here's the perfect uh, illustration of that. Home, James Holmes uh, at the Aurora Movie Theater okay. in Aurora, Colorado. The when Batman he, show? Huh? The Batman, the Batman show? show? When he walked in, he walked in through the exit door at the bottom of the stairs. If you're looking at the screen, the far left exit door that goes out to the back of the building. He I've been waiting in. for someone to do that for so long. <laughs> All of us CCW guys no. have been waiting for somebody to do that. Um, well, he walked in. This is what's interesting, and this is more about psyche and mindset. This guy right. walked in, and the closest people to him were the four rows of chairs next to the wall. He okay. walked in and was literally facing them. He was a, just three or Arms four feet length. Okay. Now, now <clears throat> if, if your whole purpose is to kill a bunch of people, I would start with the people closest to me if I was the shooter. Absolutely. He walked in, he looked at them, he looked them in the eye, and he made a connection with them, and they were now human beings. They weren't things that he was going to destroy. Hmm. So somehow, whatever fucked up way of thinking he had, mm -hmm. that I'm going to kill all these things, he looked at them and went, oh, yeah, those are people. Hmm. They something touched the string, and he didn't. He turned away and started shooting into the majority of the larger group. Now, uh -huh. at that point, if those people had known what to do, two of those people could have immediately, he had a long gun. It's very easy to control a long gun. Absolutely. Two people could have rushed him and taken him down and several people would have lived. But nobody yeah. told him that. Nobody taught them that. Yeah. So if you have that, if you have the understanding and the education, yeah. and I tell you, look, if that person turns away, Mm -hmm. And you and the person next to you can can control them, can yeah. swarm. You're going to save your life and 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 the other people's lives around you because yeah. he could have very easily. They didn't know he could have turned and shot them right after that. Right. <clears throat> Their best course of action to survive that situation at that moment was to try and take him down. One hundred percent. And I think on this too, like I think it's good to understand violence. You know, and in more than just an ethereal way, like go get a membership at a, a gym and go roll around on the mat and get punched in the face and realize you're not so fragile. Yeah. So you can actually achieve yep. a, a level of violence that can give someone like that, that can, that you can break them, break their will or break yeah, them physically. Girl or boy, go get beat up. <laughs> you know? 
Well, another thing that I always say is I also have people raise their hands. How many people have taken any form of self self defense training? Yeah. Byron, you would be shocked at how few people know the first thing about how to defend themselves. And and that makes them literally more easily a victim yeah. if nowhere else because in their mind. Because yeah. If, if somebody's going to attack you and you know for a fact you don't know how to defend yourself, you immediately have a defeatist uh, mentality. Submissive. Like, I'm going to lose because I don't know what to do. Right. But if you have some form of this is what I need to do and you go to, okay, I'm not going to think that I'm going to die or get my ass whooped. Yeah. I'm going to think, what do I do now? You're already have an advantage. Mm -hmm, and absolutely. Like you said, these people are cowards. They're floating <laughs> on this thin bubble of courage that's all bullshit. Exactly. Courage. It's just this this God complex, this this sense of power because they're they are distributing fear throughout the masses and can exactly. take lives. As soon as you knock them on their ass, what do you do to a bully? You hit him in the face as hard as you can. He's and he doesn't mess with you anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, I remember one of the college shooters, ah, man, I, I don't remember which case it was, but I remember watching uh, one of the students run out in the hallway, challenge him. They scrapped for a little bit. And, and I mean, he just mopped the floor with the guy. I, the guy had a gun. And that, was a high, that was a high school. He took the weapon from the guy. I think the guy had another gun. He came back and, and messed him up again, you know? Yeah. yeah. The kid came out. He was a high school wrestler. Yeah. He, out. he was in the office as he was an aide or something. And <clears throat> the guy had just come through the door. He had a long gun. Mm -hmm. Came in. He grabbed him. He wrapped him up. He took the gun, ran back inside. Then yeah. the guy reaches for a knife. So mm -hmm. he comes yeah. out. He wraps him up again. And then I think the school resource officer uh, showed up at that point. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's a beautiful video. I love it. Uh, absolutely. But there's, there is so much to be said for, you know what? I'm just not going to be a sheep. I'm going to go to a UFC gym or whatever it is. And I'm going to get inoculated to some abuse, you know? And it, it, I mean, it does so much more for you than just a physical, like physical thing. It's a psychological, oh, yeah. thing. It's a mental thing. It's a spiritual thing. Yeah. Understanding how to push, push your body and, and, how to deal with stress. Yeah. Hi, you're stressed out in your everyday life. Going ahead and let some 200 pound guy get on top of you and start messing you up for a couple of hours, you know, a day. Yeah. And you'll find that in your everyday life, you're able to, you know what, let's prioritize. Let's Absolutely. execute control. We can control. Let me breathe through this. It does so much for you. you yeah. Know? Knowing you're not going to just crumble, you know, crumble after one punch. I don't yeah. know about you, but having a yeah. father like I did, uh, I got my ass whooped more than one time. Oh yeah. I know how thick my skull is. Right. So I'm going to be able to take a pretty good punishing before I go down. And Absolutely. that makes me even, you know, it makes me feel like, Hey, I'm going to keep going until I can't go anymore. And I've got a lot further to go. Yeah, a lot that, to, give. That emboldened me <laughs> to go. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to, I am going to succeed in taking this person down. So 100%. And then also for me, like my mentality is, Hey, you know what? Like we all got to die. And if I'm going to go, if I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those guys. You're like, well, why didn't he do anything? No. I'm going to go. No. I'm going to go epic doing everything I could to stop yeah. that situation. Anyway, I'll die. Well, I'm not good with it either. Any other real way. Yeah, way that's, you know? that's kind of the sheepdog mentality. You know, I, I yeah. a really good test. I was watching, and you know what? I, I know Dave Grossman. He's a great guy. The one that talks mm -hmm. about, you know, sheep and wolves yeah. and sheepdogs. Super cool guy. Yeah. Um, and the, the, thing with that the world needs sheep we can't all be sheep dogs yeah yeah the world needs sheep to balance things out because if everybody was a sheep dog and a wolf it'd be, it'd be crazy <laughs> <laughs> but the reason and people go hey i don't know if i'm a sheep bro a sheep dog i've never been in a, a situation to find out yeah i was watching a video uh, a year or so ago and this is what i came up with a good test of whether you're a sheep or a sheep dog I was watching a video of some kid, it was on YouTube, some kid being bullied by a bunch of other kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, the kid was trying to walk away, but they just kept smacking him and hitting him. And they finally knocked him down and they just, they just kind of got around him and started beating the living hell out of this kid. Yeah. And I felt absolute rage. In yeah. <laughs> right. The little meters just going I, up. I wanted to go there and grab these kids by the neck and twist them until their fucking like, heads popped off. Wherever they're at in life right now, kick the door in. <laughs> and yeah. go fuck. Yep. 
And so what I was thinking is, well, gosh, that's an awfully extreme reaction. Why am I so upset about this? And yeah. then I thought, well, what would the opposite reaction be? What would someone else do? And I thought, well, they would feel bad for the kid. Yeah, uh, They would want to get help. They run away and get help. And I thought, well, I wonder if that's the difference between a sheep reaction and a sheepdog reaction. I think sheepdogs would typically run towards the fire, 100%. fire the, the gunfire or whatever, and the sheep would typically run away. And there's, like I said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with either one. It's just a difference in personality. Oh, right. one other point I want to make. Remember when I said that you, you know, you leave or you impede, but if you're in a, a situation where you have to attack the person, Mm-hmm. It is a 100% personal personal decision as to whether to attack or save your own life, yes. go towards the danger to protect others, or save your own life. And I don't yeah. judge anybody for either one. Okay, right. that is a personal decision because that person either needs to live or die with that decision. Exactly. So if they go in, if they good example, um, you know that uh, shooting at the uh, the um, the country bar. Iron, I can't remember what it's called. The Country Bar in Thousand Oaks about three weeks ago. Yeah, the recent one. Mm-hmm. The recent one. And there was an interview with a guy that was there with his son. And the guy was standing there being interviewed, apologizing and sobbing and saying, I'm sorry I didn't do more. I'm sorry I didn't go back in. I felt so bad. I just wanted to make sure my son was safe. Yeah. You know, that man is is dealing with the decision he made. And he made, his son is safe and he's safe. But now he's dealing with a decision he made not to help. And that could be a really hard decision, too. So either way, it's going to be a pretty heavy uh, burden uh, for some people. But that's that's what you got to live with. So you can either get your own butt out of there, which there's nothing wrong with. Right. But guys like you and I probably, without thinking too much about it, are yep. going to go towards it and try, and try and disarm the guy, kill him, whatever it takes, or get people out yep. just from our programming. Yeah, or die well, and that was always the plan. Or die hard. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. 100%, man. That mentality thing, if there's one thing you can do for yourself before anything like this happens that I think is the most effective thing you can do for yourself is is really think about those decisions and stay stay aware and stay thinking about that stuff. Like I had a guy comment on one of my things I posted on Instagram the other day. He was like, Oh, so I said something. I, I, I dropped the general Mattis quote at the end of one of the videos uh, where someone's situational awareness saved their life. And I said, be courteous, be kind, but have a plan to kill everyone you meet. And he was like, <laughs> and he came through and he was like, Oh, so you're saying, so you're saying basically be in fear everywhere you go. And I was like, ah, eh. God bless you. Listen, yeah. I was like, yeah. for me, yeah, respond. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I did. I haven't even looked at the comments since. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll just drop back in and like, because we know the game, you know. But uh, I, this guy, I gave him a response, and I was like, look, man. Um, to me, uh, it's not about being afraid. It's about being prepared. Sure. And I'm of better service to everyone who I love if I am prepared. And in fact, me thinking ahead this way. Actually, um, I said something about like kind of keeps me calmer and actually I'm in more of a position of power tactically more often because I think this way. So it's really not about fear or anything else. And then I think I ended it with some smart comment about how like you don't see the world as it is. You see the world as you are. And so if this means fear to you, then maybe this video is a mirror. You should take a look at (laughs) something like this, you know, because it means different things to different people. But to me, that's what it meant. You know, no, I love that prepared mentality. Uh, And it's the difference. It's the difference. The girl walking to her car after work that does have her keys in her knuckles and is watching because she realizes that in reality, she is physically vulnerable right now for this, you know, 20 yard walk uh, is got a higher level of survivability than the one who's trying not to profile people and is like, God bless her. Not just survivability. You know what? Uh, predators are not going to prey on somebody they don't think they can overcome. This is so and true. Woman, and, I, and I teach this. If a woman's walking through a parking lot with her head high, looking yep. around, looks like she's prepared to take care of business. Yeah. Assholes aren't going to attack her. They're going to go somewhere the next else. One. <laughs> exactly. They're going to go to a soft target, low-hanging mm-hmm. fruit. Mm-hmm. They, they're cowards. And, uh, you know, it, but just the woman knowing 
just even having two hours of, of um, you know, self-defense training, just mm-hmm. knowing that she's capable of defending herself gives her a little bit, her chest out, her mm-hmm. chin up, and yeah. that appearance is a deterrent to these guys. Yeah, it's an energetic deterrent. It's a harder target, and her just knowing she has the tools, 100%. It's a psychological, it's a psychological tactic, really. Um, 100%. So we were still, we were banging through the alive and we hit violence. And what's yeah, the final one? My favorite. Is there an E on there? Yes. Expose. Okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, hey, so I got that dyslexic thing. Sometimes it kicks in, got the TBIs right. in the backyard. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. The E is for expose. And, uh, that is basically be smart. When, when you think it's over, you expose yourself carefully. You could, you, 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 you know, you, you poke your head out mm. and there might be a second shooter or he was, he or she was reloading, which by the way, 98% of active shooters are male. So I usually use he, yeah. um, uh, or, or, or you come out you're running down the hallway and you come around a corner with your cell phone in your hand and there's SWAT or there's the, you know, fast reaction team, boom, yeah. ready. And they're, they don't know you're a good guy. So you have to expose yourself very, very carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and basically it's just another opportunity to stop, and assess what's going on and then think like this, not yeah. like this. Because the emotional reaction will get you into trouble every time. 100%. So just basically thinking through like a CCW guy, hey, think all the way through the engagement. If I have to go ahead and take these steps, if I do don my weapon, get into this engagement, what are going to be my plan? What's my plan of action when now I'm preparing for the next fight, which is, you know, law enforcement and talking about what happened and, and, you know, sit down, get the witnesses, you know, get yourself clear your weapon and in a safe place. Speaking of CCW guys, now I teach in the South a lot. Yeah. And I, I speak very differently to people uh, like in Nashville and Georgia and Mississippi and stuff when I teach that I do in say California because everybody's got a gun down there. Right. So I, I say, and even in my book, I say, look, if you've got a weapon, if when you got to run, when you got to take off and leave, you take your weapon with you, your cell phone and your weapon. Now here's the thing that I'm very careful to make sure everyone understands. The cops are not going to want you to have a weapon, but I'll tell you what, I got two in my desk right now. And if I right. have to, if I have to, yeah, I, <laughs> if I have to bail. Yeah. Now, there's a threat out there. I'm not leaving without my gun. Right. But this is what I tell people. If you're going to leave with your gun, you keep it. Hopefully you're with other people that are running right. the same way, which cops are going to identify with. They're trying to get out of there, even if they do see a gun. Mm-hmm. But if you're running, you keep the gun kind of behind you, ready to use, but behind you. And right. if you law enforcement, immediately throw it to the side and put your hands up and say, I'm not the shooter. I've got a yeah. CCW or I've got a weapon. Because yeah, hands, hands, hands. Two, two different occasions, guys with guns, civilians with guns, were shot by law enforcement after mm-hmm. they had responded to an active killer. Okay. Uh, one, I believe, died and one, one lived. So mm-hmm. you've got to be careful. And cops are going to know. Uh, you look, more and more people are going to get guns. For, yep. for anti-Second Amendment people, it's not going to be a very good, uh, very happy time for them because yeah. the world has no – America has no choice but right. to – if they want to live right the bad guys don't care about gun laws right so the cops are now like is murder illegal or did i miss something did, yeah. is there like a law against that or <laughs> we don't even have to have that conversation no. i was just wondering <laughs> they're now incorporating uh training to yeah. law enforcement in response is to make sure to be aware that somebody may have a gun that isn't a bad guy and you don't yeah. want to shoot them right away so yeah. again, the it's going to be this whole that. change of our culture and that's going to be part of it. And law enforcement's training was changed after mm-hmm. Columbine because that was unfortunately horribly, um, well, they didn't know better, but that yeah. horribly reacted to yeah, even, even, uh, Marjorie Stoneman uh, high school, uh, the, the Broward County Sheriff's department, their training was adequate, adequate, antiquated. They did the wrong thing. They didn't mm-hmm. go in right away. Yeah. Chris, Chris, Scott Peterson, the, uh, the school resource officer, he didn't go in. He stayed outside. I mean, these are all things that now that the training is going to be universal. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to know exactly what to do and how to do it. And I think we're going to start to be able to finally curb these things. Awesome. 100. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you got to think about the way that you'd be, the mindset you would have going into an active shooter scenario, you know, and then 
take that mindset and that intensity that you're going to hit that door with and consider the varying levels of experience with regards to combat, the various varying levels of fear, the varying levels, you know, of all those different law enforcement personnel and first responders that are entering that situation. You know, there are a few feelings in the world like hitting a door when you know there's someone on the other side with a gun. They might have a gun. Yeah. They just, as you said that right there, <laughs> you know, um, a few, just a few more questions. Uh, prevention for the active shooter, uh, active killer scenario. We'll yeah. touch on a few things there real quick. I was asked that. In fact, I started thinking immediately after Las Ve- uh, after the Las Vegas shooting. I thought, mm-hmm. how? what do you do at that point? When yeah. there's 33,000 people around you, you can't run because you're shoulder to shoulder, chest to, you know, butt yeah. to back. So um, what do you do? And people asked me, and I even wrote an article and put it on, uh, published it, that awesome. basically you have to you have to back up and go, mm-hmm. how could this have been prevented? How could, The only thing you could have really done was not put yourself in a position to be boxed in. Yeah. And unfortunately, when we buy tickets to a concert, me included, and I go to a lot of concerts, I want to be front and center, man. But that is probably going to be one of the most dangerous spots yeah. from an elevated position. Now, Stephen Paddock, we haven't had a, a shooter, a sniper like that since the Texas College uh, clock tower 50 years ago. So that was... Mm-hmm. Kind of an anomaly. Anomaly, yeah. But I tell people now, and I even went to a uh, Luke Bryant concert with my uh, my uh, my girlfriend and her family uh, in Utah, and I told everybody, okay, here's the deal: we're going to check out the exits to the venue, to the to the property, to the venue, and then to the area where we're supposed to be. We're right. going to have a, a rally point if something goes down. Yep. But let's try and stay either near some pillar <laughs> where we can find cover. Yep. Or an exit where we can get the hell out of there. Yep. So really, it's going to come down to avoidance and preparation. Yeah, one hundred percent. And, um, and by I, the way, I, that is, <clears throat> I separate the two. I talk about a security mindset, which mm-hmm. is avoidance, preparation. You know how to stay out of a situation that can get you killed, mm-hmm. and then the survival mindset, which then starts as soon as an event like that begins. Yeah, and they really are two different things. I worked in a, a venue with a client. Uh, a few months ago where we were in a big kind of like Coachello-ish, uh, concert-ish type environment. And for me, the one of the primary considerations was, all right, we're in it. We're in the thick of it. Um, what can I use for an exit that people aren't going to recognize as an exit? Um, what, you know, barriers can I get my clients through or around or over quicker than probably most people can 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 escape and evade? And so, you know, there were some spots in the fence where like, you know, it wasn't actually secure, you know, they were just using cover and I was like, all right, sweet. I can push right through those two, you know, those air, that weak spot in the fence and we can get to the vehicles, you know, and, and basically everywhere we went throughout that venue, I was constantly looking at, uh, the escape plan, you know, the E plan always and always real upgrading it in real time, just as much as I was taking in, you know, everything else in my environment. If I was there with my family, which might be the most important protection mission you're ever on in some ways, you know, um, in some ways of looking at it, um, you know, uh, that, that is something that I'm always considering. All right. Crowds are dangerous. We're here. How am I going to deal with this crowd? If I need to get my people, whoever they are, clients, family members, out of here and I'm upgrading that strategy in real time just as much as I'm taking in the festivities and it doesn't mean that you're a stress case but it means that you're taking on full responsibility of being the protector in the environment you know um also I think something that that I think is very important too is the hard targeting aspect of of uh of 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 what can possibly factor into prevention for a lot of these things you know um with one of the uh, places of worship clients that we've had, we were allowed to do armed security at one of the, at one of the venues. And we had an incident at that venue where patrons went to another campus where we didn't have armed security and they ran amok and did their little deed there um, because that one vent, that one venue with the armed security was a hard enough, uh, hard enough target to where the deterrence factor worked. Um, so that's something else I think is, 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 is deterrence. And then also, you know, planning for the aftermath with regards to, you know, your T triple C or whatever it is, you know, being able to, 
to handle something like that. If you happen to be in charge of a facility where you have to consider these things. Yeah. Um, so, and then one question I like to ask as we end, uh, what daily practices do you have um, that you feel make you better at what you do as a protector? You know, what do you do kind of your, kind of your daily, like, is there anything you want to give to people that you think say, Hey, this is something that I do within my lifestyle that you should consider uh, that I think makes me better at my job. What I do, who I am. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, constant practice of um, situational awareness. Boom. Even if you're at the grocery store by yourself, right? Practicing being aware, looking at people. When I say profiling, I don't mean racially or any other mm-hmm. crap. I mean profile their the important stuff. Yeah, profile their behavior. Right. Um, be aware of their behavior. You know, I use this video, uh, and I don't know if it's MGM or whoever shot the Born series, but they'll probably be mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use this short video of Jason Bourne in the very first Bourne movie where he's in a mm-hmm. diner with the German girl. And he says, um, when I walk in here, I'm constantly looking around. Uh, I look at uh, you know, the guy at the counter is 215 pounds and knows how to handle himself. The waitress is right. headed. Yep. I know the best place to find. There's seven cars outside. And I know the license plates of all of them. And the mm-hmm. best place to find a gun is in the, is in the uh, glove box of the gray truck. Yeah. So I use that as kind of an extreme example of, of uh, situational awareness. Mm-hmm. I think that just constantly practicing awareness of your surroundings. Yes. It's kind of like driving. <clears throat> if you're driving down the highway and you're constantly glancing in all three of your mirrors, you always kind of have an idea of what's around you. Where so those cars all are. of a sudden somebody swerves into the lane, you know that five seconds ago there was no cars to your right. Well, you can either get hit or you can take a chance knowing I'm pretty sure there's no cars in the right because I already saw and you swerve out of the way and you don't get hit. Yeah. Just knowing what's going on around around you will give you an advantage in so many different ways. But when it comes to safety and security, I would say whether it's your own safety or security or that of your protectee, that's got to be one of the best things you can practice on a daily basis. Perfect. (laughs) Absolutely perfect. And I have had that specific incident on a detail where a client had to slam the brakes. He had a high performing vehicle, stopped on a dime. I was in a chase vehicle and I can escalate. And because I had that situational awareness and I knew that there was a vehicle, there was not a vehicle next to me on my left at the just in the nick of time, I was able to take that gamble. Hey, I just checked that mirror without looking. Boom. And flew past the client so fast. The client didn't even see me. I would have hit him at over 60 miles an hour. Grace of God. But that situational awareness, that variable. Good good for you. That's <laughs> That variable, you know, because something happened in front of him and he had to slam the brakes. Um, that's awesome stuff, man. That's 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 what I have for for our conversation today, Michael Julian. It's it has been an honor uh, having you on here, and um, I think we've covered a whole bunch of stuff, man. It's been great. Where can where can we find you? What are you up to today? Well, that stuff. So the company, the security company, is MP, MPS Security Protection. Uh, we are a national company. We're, the states we're not licensed in. We've got very good um, uh, partners that are you know qualified that we deal with uh, doing executive protection of all kinds. Um, the Alive program is, and by the way, it's, it's uh, security-mps.com. The Alive program website is activeshootersurvivaltraining.com. And uh, the, you can get the book there or on Amazon. Um, and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, I feel as though I'm, I'm kind of privileged. I came in at a time when this was really, really needed and I was mm-hmm. frustrated. I was frankly, I was pissed off that people were dying because they didn't know what to do. So yeah, I yeah. just figured out what I thought they should do. And I, yeah. and I created a lesson plan and it turns out that it, it actually works. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really kind of, I feel fortunate that I'm in a position to help people learn how to do this stuff. And like I said, I'm not going to tell, tell anybody my program is the best. Any training is better than no training, but mm-hmm. you've got to get the training or you're literally helpless. You're going to be overcome by fear or make the wrong decision because you use your, use your heart instead of your head. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and, and I teach this stuff all over the country. And, and by the way, 
<laughs> this sounds real salesy, but I have a lot of guys in the industry who mm-hmm. come to me whose client, their corporate clients want the training but don't know where to get it. Yeah. So they refer me to their clients. I go do the training. And of course, I always take care of, you know, finder's fee or whatever, anybody that uh, yeah. acts as a salesperson for me. So anytime I can do these, I'm, I'm scaling it right now because I can't handle the demand. Uh, and frankly, I don't want to travel as much as I have been. So right now I'm, I'm vetting and, and uh, training certifying instructors to handle certain areas of the country. Uh, and they will, they will get paid if, uh, if I send them the gig, they'll get paid as an instructor. But if they go out and find it, like what's one of their clients, they'll get paid as an instructor and a commission, um, on the, on the deal, on the training. So, uh, anyway, so I've been, I'm real happy that I'm in a position that I can, that I can give people this training because I, I thank God I know it works because Liz Moreno contacted me and said that that the, the program saved her life. So I feel blessed. That's huge guys out there with corporate clients considerations, you know, boom, uh, man, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I look forward to the next time our paths crossed, man. I know that you demonstrated a ridiculous amount of value with this, with this interview. So thanks so much for your time. It was an honor and, uh, yeah, we'll see you one mind, many weapons. We'll see it. We'll see you out there in the game. Thanks, Michael. Merry Christmas. And then Merry Christmas. To support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that, the lifestyle behind that. You guys are already killing it. $1 a month. $5 a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on McDonald's. Hey, you want to put it towards something that's going to good use? Put it towards a podcast and get involved in our, our Patreon account at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. And if you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. Um, you know, do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can to that Patreon account because it makes all of these things possible, ladies and gentlemen. So much love. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, Follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com and I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.